Welcome to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Amore and Frank Sicalese. All right, welcome back in listeners to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty podcast. Uh, unfortunately, we do just have Andy and myself, just like the good old days back on the podcast. We don't need Joel and Charlene. Uh, they been, uh, haven't been able to make this podcast today, which is uh, fine, but not good enough, honestly. Uh, welcome back, Andrew. Hey, Frank. How you going? Um, yeah, a bit disappointing from those two. Got a late omissions. Um, didn't really give us much time to prepare without them, but um, yeah, no, all good. So... How was basketball this week, Frank? Yeah, well, unfortunately, we didn't end up getting the win. Uh, we ended up losing by 10 points still, which is a bit sad. But um, there's some, still some signs of improvements. We've got a, um, a couple of our players back this week, so hopefully we'll get our win tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, sounds good, man. What I will get stuck into first, and you know, the reason for the podcast, not just uh, mine and Charlene's basketball game, is fantasy football, of course. There wasn't too much news going on this week, but I will get stuck into what we did here. Um, yeah, obviously, the NFL combine went down, and that's what uh, this uh, episode is going to be about, which we'll get so we'll get stuck into a bit more of the details there. But obviously, everyone's aware the combine happened, and that was really interesting to watch. Um, we got the news coming out of Dallas that they are actually likely to release Amari Cooper, wide receiver. And they're actually likely to re-sign Michael Gallup, which is a really weird move, which I think maybe based on the injury to Michael Gallup, they're able to, you know, sign him long-term um, for less money than they would have been able to otherwise. And Amari Cooper is obviously on that really massive deal. They can get out of it with not too much dead cap. So I think that's what they are looking to do. Um, Andrew, you just uh, traded for Amari Cooper probably, what was it, a month and a half ago now, maybe, a month ago. Um, you sent that first-round pick for him. What do you think? Are you confident that he'll find a good home somewhere? Or is this just bad news for you, especially because you've got Dak Prescott? Yeah, it's um, not ideal, but I still think, you know, a 24 first for Amari Cooper is is a fair deal. I think I still win the trade. But, um, you know, I was looking forward to that Dak-Amari stack, but... Um, yeah, just hoping you can find a new home, maybe a better one. There's probably not a better one out there now that I think about it, but I don't think his value will go down too much. He'll produce wherever he goes. Um, it's just good news for Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb owners, I guess. That's that's the biggest takeaway. Um, yeah. I don't really know the ins and outs of why they're doing this, but, yeah, it's just, it was a bit, bit of a shock, honestly. Yeah, well, I thought because of the Gallup injury that Mario Cooper was almost a certainty to stay. But, yeah, he's just got such a massive contract and they've obviously um, having to pay Dak Prescott and they're paying Ezekiel Elliott that massive contract as well. That money dries up really quickly. They're paying a lot of the guys on the offensive line. and They're obviously very important too and they obviously have faith in uh, Gallup and CD. Um, yeah, it's probably going to be interesting to see where Amari can land. Like you said, I don't, there's not a landing spot that really um, bounces off the screen to me. Um, in other free agency news, um, it's – pretty much been confirmed now that the Chicago Bears are going to let Allen Robinson walk. I think we're all expecting that all year. Um, he looked disinterested. He didn't, you know, look like he wanted to be part of the team. It's probably not in their long-term plan. So it's no surprise to me that they'll let him walk. He'll find somewhere. Um, and just a little bit of news out of our fantasy league as well. Joel has put all of his 2022 first round picks on the trade block. So I believe he has three of them. Is that correct, Andrew? Yeah, I just saw this in the um, sleeper chat. You know, I saw Joel's put them all on the trade block. I was trying to get his thoughts about it on the pod, but obviously he's not here. But it's interesting. Maybe he didn't like what he saw at the combine. Maybe he's maybe trying to win now. I don't know. But um, yeah, I just just thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, maybe he's trying to uh, build the narrative and doesn't want to come on the podcast to sort of tell us why he's doing it. Maybe he wants to keep it a bit secret. But, yeah, he has put them up. And I think uh, if you're going to do it, if you're going to sell your picks, now is probably the best time, you know, off the combine hype. Everyone is, you know, researching the rookies. Everyone's getting really interested in them. So if you're going to do it, there's uh, no time like the present, I think. So not a terrible move from Joel if he ends up, you know, moving off one or two of them and, you know, taking one of them, I think – 
Um, if you do end up collecting a lot of picks, it's probably a good idea to, you know, maybe cash in some of those picks on, you know, proven talent rather than, you know, going totally with rookies. Obviously, if you, you know, think you know better and you think you can pick all the good rookies, then go right ahead as well. Yeah, well, if he's got he's got pretty much all the picks, so it's probably a good idea for him to sell some, keep some. And, um, yeah, no better time to do that than now. So exactly right, Frank. Yeah, so what we actually might do now is we might get stuck straight into our main segment of the podcast is where we're going to go through some of the results from the NFL Combine. And I think the best way we're going to break this up, Andrew, is we're going to start off with the running backs, move over to the wide receivers, and then the quarterbacks as well. Obviously, the combine these days, not everyone ends up running. There's some players that have injuries. some players that just don't want to participate at all, you know, through risk of injury or whatnot or risk to their um, draft stocks, things like that. So, you know, we can only go through people that did test. Um, We'll start off with the running back position. Andrew, go right ahead. Uh, Frank, well, yeah, I've been, um, you know, sick all week. All weekend, pretty much on my deathbed, um, just watching watching some combine, researching some combine. So, um, yeah, we'll start off with the probably the guy that had the best day. I want to say, uh, solidified as himself as probably the RB one now for everyone. No one really had a true RB one, but Brees Hall uh, weighed in at five eleven, two seventeen pounds, um, and he just healed everything. Frank, he was ninetieth percentile and everything. You know, four three nine forty. 40-inch vert, Um, broad jump was exceptional. Really just 90th percentile in everything. So um, solidified himself as my RB1. I don't know where you had him pre-combine, but I'm pretty sure you'd have to move him up now. Yeah, like you said, there was probably those three running backs that are all very similar. Um, But I think, you know, the combine, I think even as the offseason was developing, I think Bruce Hall was fast becoming most people's number one running back. I think you get caught up in the most recent seasons of these running backs, especially with the likes of, you know, Kenneth Walker and stuff like that with the massive season he had. But Bruce Hall, his entire career in college had been, you know, really productive, really good, he's a patient runner. Um, but then also because he's a patient runner, people sometimes see that they think that he's got a lack of speed. And then when he comes out in the combine and runs a sub four, four, which if you see that, you know, speed and at the running back position, it's elite, like it's elite speed, like you said, 90th percentile and everything. So I think he's a really great athlete, um, solidified himself as the RB one in my mind too. Um, I think if he finds a really good home, like you imagine, we always hear talking about imagine if he finds himself in Buffalo or Miami or somewhere that he can get a, you know, a full-time workload where he can play 80% of the snaps, you know, get, you know, 80% plus of the touches out of the backfield. He's going to be a fantasy monster in my mind. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, we'll move on to the guy that everyone else was tossing up between um, as their RB1, Isaiah Spiller. Um, weighed in at six foot, two seventeen pounds, so good size. But um, he didn't didn't run the forty. Um, I think that really hurts him because you know all of his all his rivals, you'd say, did so well at the forty, and you know he just chose not to. Don't really know why he's claiming injury, but um, he has questionable athleticism, so he could just be dodging that a bit. Frank, I don't know if you have a take on this, but um, yeah, Isaiah Spiller, what he did test was. 30-inch vert, 114-inch broad jump. And, yeah, just just a real lackluster day. I think it hurts his stock a little bit. Yeah, I think it does hurt his stock a little bit. Obviously, I don't want to put too much weight into the combine. There's probably, you know, these are last sort of last-minute um, additions to what they, these are draft prospect profiles, but you know he weighs it. You know he weighs in at two hundred seventeen pounds, six foot. We know that he's got the size to be in every down back in the NFL. Um, he's you know he's a good runner of the football. I think he's a very you know patient, shifty. He's hard to bring down. Does it all? Catches the football. So I think he's a very well rounded player. But like you said, I do think they're claiming that he was injured. Obviously, if he was, we hope that he gets better soon and everything like that. But to not run the forty when the other two backs run the forty really well, um, if he was probably he probably was going to come in slower than those guys. So it's not a terrible idea to not run it and then you know not give the confirmation that he is slower than those guys. But in my you know in my mind, he's going to be he would come in slower than Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. So I think by not running, he's sort of left that up in the air, I suppose. Um, I know a lot of people compared him to David Montgomery as well. So, you know, maybe not the most super athletic player, but just does everything really well. Um, but then, you know, you also thought the same thing about the likes of, you know, Royce Freeman, Denver Broncos, former Denver Broncos running back, you know, one of those 
plays that comes into the draft, looks really well-rounded, does everything well, runs the ball, catches the football, but just isn't supremely talented, you know, and, and isn't supremely athletic and it can let him down at the next level. So that's probably, you know, a little bit of a red flag for Isaiah Spiller, but I do think he's going to be a good enough player to um, put up fantasy points. I don't think he falls out of, you know, the top five or six picks in a rookie draft still personally. No, he's still my RB2. It just, um, I think Brees Hall just really jumped over him without question. And um, yeah, I don't really think they're in the same year anymore. It's just, um, yeah. And, and we'll move on to Kenneth Walker now, Frank. So um, everyone was worried about what he'd weigh in at. And, uh, you know, he's he's um, he's a really good runner. Like he's probably the best runner in the class in my opinion. But, you know, he just um, is a bit smaller than these other boys, but he weighed in at 211 and his height was 5'9". You know, is an ideal, but I think that was a big win. Um, everyone was scared he was going to come in at you know 195, and then you know you can't get the bell bell um bell cow roll with with that weight. The 211 is something you can work with, and you know he killed it in the measurable. So 43840, 34 inch vert, 122 broad jump. You know he um and he showed catching promise in the catching drills, which was another knock on him. So I think Kenny Walker was a big win. Um, I think really solidified himself as the RB3 in the class. Um, and yeah, I just I just think he had a good day. A lot could have gone wrong, wrong for him, and it just didn't. Yeah, I think him coming in at five nine to eleven is like actually quite good for his um, draft prospects. He came in bigger than most people thought, and then he also ran that uh, forty time in four three eight. So it's exceptionally quick. That sub four four. That's what you want to see out of your running backs. You want to make sure that they got that top end speed. Um, but yeah, the fact that he did show a bit of catching promise was nice. Um, I didn't actually get a chance to watch it all uh, live, Andrew. How did he go running routes? Or was it, you know, obviously it was good to see him have good hands, but was he running too many routes? Um, you know, just uh, just I only saw the, what do they call that drill where they run across the thing and they, they catch the balls? But, you know, he yeah. looked pretty fluid. He looked fluid? Yeah. yeah, well, that's what you want to say. Yeah. I think... Um, if he can show promise in the passing game, well, I think he's going to be exceptional. Like you said, I think he's the best pure runner in this class. Um, I think there will be an NFL team that takes him in the second round that's going to give him the opportunity to run the ball 15 times a game. It's just whether he's going to be um, efficient enough and used in the red zone and things like that, whether he's going to be a fantasy superstar. But I think the talent's there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was always big on Kenny Walker, but you know, you couldn't be massively in on him because he just didn't show any pass-catching ability. But I think... You know, for him to catch every ball and not not completely drop anything is um is a good sign. Um, we'll move on to one of the probably the running back that had the worst day that combine. Uh, Kyron Williams weighed in at five nine, 194 pounds. And just what we were saying with Kenneth Walker, if he had a weight in at this weight, you know, alarm bells ringing, red flags showing that um, you know, he's probably not going to be able to get the work the work um. You know, these bell cow running backs get just because of his weight. Um, Austin Eckler's a real outlier. People are saying that, you know, he he's uh, their player comp, but Kyron Williams ran 4.65, had a disappointing vert and broad jump. Um, yeah, I just think he's a big loser. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have a take on Kyron Williams, Frank? I was pretty high on him because, you know, he, would, he showed promise, but I'm not sure I can get away from this um, light frame and... Um, Yes, low 40 time. Yeah, like obviously we don't want to, you know, make the 40 time the be all and end all. It depends, you know, obviously the running back position, it's probably more important how fast you get to that top speed and things like that. But when you're a player of that size, you need to have that top end speed to be able to, you know, get away from defenders, things like that. You're not going to be running through them. Um, he obviously is a really good pass catcher. We saw that in college. But you're saying he's compared to Austin Eckler, but Austin Eckler ran a 4-4-3 in his um, combine time. So it's sort of like, yeah, he might be a really adept route runner, but if he doesn't have that speed, it's going to be hard for him to be super-duper productive um, at the NFL level. But, you know, it's going to be it's probably one of those uh, wait-and-see situations, kind of like Kenneth Walker. If they can find a really good landing spot, they're going to be interesting if they get the work. So... Those two backs are probably the ones that I'm really going to be waiting to see the landing spot to know whether I'd be comfortable taking them, you know, inside the first five or six picks in the rookie draft. So Kyron Williams probably even later than that. I probably wouldn't, unless he lands somewhere that I really like, where I think that he's going to get a massive, a really big passing down work. Um, I would probably wouldn't be picking him inside the first 10 picks of a rookie draft. Personally, he's fallen, probably uh, confirmed fallen out of that range for me. 
yeah, and like I don't want to take the combine to you know completely change my opinion on a player because it doesn't. But for the NFL teams, they um they do change their mind on players if they weigh in really light or they don't show anything. So, um, yeah, I just think it it hurts his draft stock a little bit, and I'm not sure if he'll find that that true um role for himself, Frank. So, um. Yeah, and I was thinking he was one of the most complete backs in this class, and yeah, that, that just really hurts him in my opinion. So, um, we'll move on to Tyler the Alligator Alagier. Um, weighed in really well, um, two twenty four pounds, five eleven. You know, he's a real power back. Um, but you know, there was there was hype that he was he was going to run like four 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 on Twitter, like, and he only ran four six. Um, so it could be seen as a disappointing day, but I think you know. Four six at that weight is still pretty incredible. So um, I don't think it hurts himself too much. Do you have any any takes on that, Frank? Yeah, at that size, you don't have to have like yeah, it's not probably as less of a knock on the player once you you are that size. You know what, two twenty five pounds um, running a four six is still exceptionally quick. So I don't think it hurts him as much as it hurts those smaller backs. Um, but yeah, he's going to be again like these running backs. There's no outside of you know Brees Hall. These running backs are really, really landing spot dependent. And there are running back needy teams, but there's also running free agent running backs around. There's also, you know, running backs that could be on the trade block. It's really going to come down to landing spot for me to, um, for me to get all in on these backs outside of Brees Hall. But yeah, it was still, I could say it was a good day for him regardless. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll move on to wide receiver. I think we touched on the relevant running backs there. So, um, We'll start. We'll start at the top. Traylon Burks. Um, could say he had a. He was a loser on the day, Frank. Um, I don't know. Everyone was. Everyone was expecting him to like break John Ross's record or something. I don't know, but um, everyone was disappointed with his four five five forty. Um, weighed in at six two two twenty five. <clears throat> Thirty three inch arms, nine, of basically ten inch hands. Um, you know he did thirty three vertical, one twenty two broad jump. 728 free cone. It was just a, I guess, an average day. Everyone thought he would, you know, be DK Metcalf, AJ Brown type stuff. But, um, you know, he's, is he still your wide receiver one in the class, Frank? Um, I think that's that's the question. Yeah, for me, it's still the uh, wide receiver one for me. I think regardless of combine day, um, I think there is a difference between between being, you know, combine fast and being game speed fast. So I think Traylon Burks falls into that game speed fast. Um, the way he moves on the field is, you know, maybe doesn't translate completely into a straight line dash. I'm not sure how it goes. Four five five for his size at six two two twenty five. I mean, it's still rapid. I don't think um, we need to take too much away from him for that forty time. Um, we've seen far too many times that 40 times at the wide receiver position don't mean quite as much as what they do at the running back level. Um, but yeah, the fact that he still ran fast enough, ran uh, sub four, six um, at that size, still incredibly fast. I think he's still quite a polished um, route runner. I think coming out of college, he's more polished a route runner than DK Metcalf. Obviously, maybe obviously from what we've seen in the testing, less of a freak athlete than DK Metcalf, but I think he's still going to be very, very good. Still my wide receiver one. And I'll probably go as far as to say, you can, I wouldn't knock anyone that takes him, you know, ahead of Brees Hall at the 101. But I do think we're getting to the point now where, None of the quarterbacks have stood out. Obviously, that can change at the NFL draft. If, you know, one of these quarterbacks goes inside the top five, then you have to start having a serious conversation. But for me, it's between Traylon Burks and Brees Hall. And I think uh, if you play for uh, Dynasty and you want to take the wide receiver for the longevity, or if you're a team that needs a running back, I think that's probably the deciding factor between those two. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've seen him run. You know, he clocked like 22 miles per hour and, you know, just dusted some good quality SEC, SEC cornerbacks. So I don't think I don't think you should change your opinion on this. Um, yeah, like we said, 4.55, it's still like 86 percentile weight adjusted speed score. I think it's still it's still way up there. I can't remember exactly, but um, yeah, it's still my wide receiver one. But, you know, conversely, Drake London didn't test at all. But he just weighed himself in at 6'4, 219, uh, 33 inch arms, nine, nine, three, eight hands, and everyone's losing their minds about him. So maybe the way to do it is just do that. Just, you know, prove your measurables and not actually test for anything and people think you're the man. So um yeah, any any Drake London takes? 
Oh, well, you know that I'm the Drake London uh, fanboy through and through. I think it was the best idea he could have done. He's still, I don't know if he's nursing that ankle still. He should be uh, pretty close to 100% healthy, but there's no reason for him to test the combine. I mean, we all saw what he did in the uh, limited sample size he had this year. Obviously, he didn't play all of the games, but still played a majority of the season. And he showed that he, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he's the number one wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft. Um yeah, he's just a monster. Um, he's you know one of those players that you know finds the right finds the right landing spot. He could end up being the one hundred and one. Like that's how high I am on Drake London, but he is a monster. Um, yeah, six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. Um, and you know you don't see players at six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. You know making that kind of you know, having that kind of game speed that he does and the elusiveness that he does. I know we compare him to Mike Evans. Obviously, Mike Evans has been there and done that over his entire career and been nothing but productive. But, you know, if we're talking about a raw prospect, I don't remember Mike Evans coming out and looking as good as Drake London did in his final year of college. That sounds like it sounds like a really big call with considering how good Mike Evans has been. But that's just what I'm seeing on the tape. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, you know, I got nothing to go off his thing, but I think he would have ran similar to Traylon Burks, but um, yeah, it's just Drake London's probably still everyone's wide receiver too, and um, yeah, it didn't hurt his draft stock at all. You know, if, if I'm him, I'm not I'm not testing anything, because um, everyone's you know, everyone's hating Traylon Burks, and everyone's loving Drake London just because he's 6'4", 220, so he's, uh, he's doing something right, Frank, but um, We'll move on to the Ohio State duo that had themselves a day. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, both ran sub 4-4. Uh, both checked in at 6-4. Uh, the only knock really is that they weighed in at 183 and 187, respectfully. Um, but, yeah, I think I think they're both winners. Um, solidified, solidified themselves as, you know, top receivers in the class. We'll probably go in the first round, both of them. And, yeah, I think, I think they both had... You know, pretty quiet, good days. Uh, Alave uh, ran a. Did you see that he ran a four two six? Yeah, everyone yeah. lost their mind when he ran the four two six unofficially. That was I wasn't expecting that. That's why when I I saw it come up, I'm like, oh, is that right? Is that the official time? Or yeah, that didn't quite add up. But he still was rapid to run sub four four. I don't think I think I feel like most um you know draft experts weren't expecting him to run sub four four. So he definitely um you know gave himself a draft stock hit in the positive direction, which was awesome. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I don't think – I think everyone everyone likes Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, so um, I think it's it's great for them. And, yeah, I think they did really well. Um, someone who did not do very well, David Bell, um, weighed in at 6'1", 2'12". Just had, a, just had a really rough time of it, Frank. Uh, 4'6", 5'40", which isn't quick at all. Um, but, you know, he, does, he doesn't win that way. You know, he's more of a possession guy. Um, but – yeah, he just he just looks sloppy on his routes. Um, you know, had a mediocre vert and draw jump, three cone. Um, I think he hurt his draft stock a little bit. Um, I don't know if this moves straight David Bell and the Frankings, but yeah, it just wasn't as impressive as the other guys. So a bit disappointing. Yeah, I think the important thing that you said there was that David Bell doesn't win that way with his athleticism, which is right. Um, I still think he's a very polished route runner. I still think he's going to be productive at the NFL level. We've seen so many guys come through. One one guy that comes to mind, obviously a bit smaller than David Bell, is uh, Jarvis Landry. You know, never won with his athleticism, but hey, he's still just an incredibly um, productive player. I think David Bell is going to be fine at the NFL level. I just don't think he's got the same ceiling that a lot of these other wide receivers do. So even the likes of guys that are probably going to go behind him in um, dynasty uh, rookie drafts. So someone like George Pickens or Sky Moore or Christian Watson, who end up might be going in some drafts might be going behind David Bell, but they don't have the same kind of floor that I think he has. So he's quite a safe pick. If you were to take him at the, maybe at the beginning of the second round, late first round, I think you're going to get a safe, productive player, but not the same kind of uh, wide receiver one, top 12 upside. A lot of these guys have, honestly, like I think um, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, Traylon Burks, um, even, you know, even the likes of Sky Moore, Christian Watson, George Pickens, these guys have like real claims to be top 20 wide dynasty wide receivers. If they come out and have really good rookie years, I don't think there's any reason why they can't be in that kind of position. But yeah, I don't think uh, David Bell has that kind of ceiling. Yeah, I think you said that really well. Um, David Bell, you know, that guy that won't win you a week, but won't lose you a week. And he's just a real solid guy. Um, and we'll move on, George Pickens. 
um, came in a lot. He was just just reminded me how like how big of a guy he is. Six three, one ninety five. Don't know why I wasn't expecting that, but I just I just wasn't for some reason. But um, yeah, he had a really good showing. You know, four four seven forty. Uh, it's blistering for a guy that tall. So um, yeah, he had a really good really good showing. Reminded me that you know he's a real top receiver in this class. Um, yeah, George Pickens, Frank. What did you think? Yeah, well, George Pickens is a really um, interesting one. I think uh, early on his in his uh, career at college, you know, he had that torn ACL. So I think everyone sort of forgot um, how good George Pickens was. So I think the fact that he's come into the combine, ran incredibly well, he's measured in quite, you know, really tall, really fast. Um, he just reminded everyone how good of a prospect he was. So I think um, that year that he tore his ACL, he was, you know, probably a top, you know, three wide receiver in the class, if not the top. Uh, prospect in the class um i think that just hurt his stock quite a bit i think um in college it's not really worth these players trying to you know rush back and you know especially with the kind of profile he had the kind of prospect profile he had going into college it was no reason for him to rush back from that injury there's no reason for him to push his body to the limits like um i'm sure he would have he would in the nfl as well so the fact that he's just coming in and being able to show the draft community what he is and what he um, was previously, I think it's been really good. So he's a really interesting player, I think. If you can get him at you know, the back end of your first round, especially if you're in a 12-team league, if you were to get him at the 112 after you've won your championship and you get to add him to your roster, I think you're really happy about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he's just, a, he's just a really good player, George Pickens. Um We'll move on to quarterbacks now, Frank. I think that was a touch on every receiver there. Um, Malik Willis, probably the talking point. Um, I mean, these these videos of him just absolutely launching like 70-yard bombs. You, you had to have seen him on Twitter or something, Frank. But, um, yeah, you know, weighed in at 6 foot, 219. Um, yeah, just really reinforced how much of a cannon he's got. So, um, yeah. Malik Willis, your quarterback one, or where do you where do you sit on that? Yeah, so I know that I've been um, a big uh, fan of Kenny Pickett um, as a quarterback one. Obviously, a lot of this comes down to the NFL drafts and things like that. But the the show that Malik Willis put um, put on at the NFL Combine was really impressive. That deep ball that he was throwing looked really good. Um, looked like had an absolute cannon of an arm. Um, you know, measures in at six foot. I mean, I think the NFL's gone away from being so scared of quarterbacks that aren't six foot three or six foot four or whatever it is. They've um, you know, grown up a little bit. I think they've seen how good Kyler Murray is. They've seen how good Russell Wilson is. They've seen how good you know these smaller you know Drew Brees. Well, there's been too many players that now that have been under that six foot three mark, even under six foot, that are still exceptional talents um, at the quarterback position. So the fact that he measures at six foot doesn't bother me at all. We know how um, much of a dual threat he is on the ground. So we didn't see him run or anything like that, but there's no need for him to be. They've seen it on tape. They know how athletic he is. I think it was just important to show off to the scouts how big of an arm he had. Um, obviously had some, some uh, you know, accuracy problems in college, but, I think he can, you know, continue to develop and like in the NFL where how we've seen, you know, the likes of, you know, Jalen Hurts has developed as a passer. We've seen Lamar Jackson develop as a passer, you know, in the mold of these dual threat quarterbacks. So I think there's no reason why he couldn't continue to improve as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, people have been throwing out um, Dwayne Haskin comps, but I really think Malik Willis... Because um, you know how Dwayne Haskin looked so good throwing deep bombs at the combine and then didn't quite work out. But I think Malik Willis has way more upside than Dwayne Haskins. And um, same thing, people were comparing Traylon Burks to um, uh, Nikhil Harry, Frank. So that's that's pretty insulting. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I think these guys, you know, they tested, tested fairly, but, you know, you can't be comparing them to those two. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, onto your boy Kenny Pickett, Frank. Are you scared about the small hands? Talk to me. Eight and a half inches hands. Um, people are losing their minds. What do you think? Besides that, he tested really well. Uh, you know, six three, two seventeen, had real zip on the ball. Everything. You know, you know Kenny Pickett is your boy. Um, but are you scared of the hand size? Yeah. Well, I thought the NFL was past this. Honestly, about this whole hand size business. The fact that he has smaller hands than most of the other quarterbacks doesn't matter. We've seen him be better than most of all these quarterbacks. So you're going to get to the last stage. You're going to see him dominating college. And then you're just going to be like, no, actually, 
Hands are a little small. Don't think he can handle a football. Um, even though he's played football his entire life, he's gotten to the age of how old is he now? 21, 22. Um, you know, with his apparently miniature hands. Um, and all of a sudden he's going to forget how to uh, throw a football at the NFL level. Um, I think it's ridiculous. I thought the NFL would move past this. So I think um, he'll be fine. I think he's still going to go inside the first round. I mean, it's it's a joke to think that we're trying to, you know, nitpick these tiny little details about of a player when I don't think there's any way in hell Kenny Pickett falls outside of the first round. And if you're a first-round quarterback taken, you're incredibly relevant for fantasy, especially in Dynasty Superflex. So I have no concerns at all. Um, you know, if he does end up being selected inside the top 15, I will have no issue uh, taking Kenny Pickett at the 105 or the 107 in our Dynasty draft, Andrew. Yeah, like, like you said, he didn't just wake up combine day and his hands shrunk, you know, two inches. He's had this his whole life. He's bowled out with it before. So I think I think you're right, Frank. I think don't be scared of Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, choose Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, or Matt Corral as your QB1 and just roll with it. Um, speaking of Matt Corral, didn't test because of that ankle he still got, but, you know, came in at 6 through 212, a bit heavier than people were thinking. But, you know, I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah, it didn't, didn't hurt himself at all today. Um, my QB1 of the class. Um, but yeah, we'll see see how he goes at his pro day when he actually tests and his draft his draft capital, obviously. Um, two other quarterbacks I've got here, Frank. Sam Howe, 6'1", 218. You know, didn't do anything wrong. Um, are you are you in on Sam Howe? I, I haven't asked you. Do, you. do you like do you like him as a prospect? Yeah, he's a really interesting one because he was so incredibly productive. Um, well, you know, when he had those weapons at North Carolina, um, you know, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, I believe there's another wide receiver that um, yeah, his name is was it Diami Brown? I think there was another one as well, another one that went to the Colts. But anyway, regardless, um, and then he struggled that little bit more when he's um, those obviously weapons left, which makes sense. But then we also saw him using his legs a whole lot more. So in his first season at North Carolina, I believe the statistic was he had like. I, I shit you not, six rushing yards in the entire season. And then I think he finished this season with like six, I think it was like 600 or 800 rushing yards, which is crazy to think he's come such a long way. So he's just really interesting. These quarterbacks that aren't obviously, I think Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett at the end of the, at, when everything's all sitting down at the NFL draft, are going to be the first two off the board. But if I've got a lump in... Desmond Ritter, I've got a lump in Sam Howe, and also another guy that's a little bit further down draft boards, Carson Strong. They're both guys that could come into the NFL and either be complete busts, you know, shouldn't be touching the field, or guys that can just, you know, explode and be, you know, franchise quarterbacks. Um, I think it always seems to be these, you know, slam dunk quarterback classes like we thought last year's was. And when we see them, you know, the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields struggle so much and Zach Wilson. And then you have classes like this where no one really stands out and then you end up getting, you know, three starting quarterbacks coming out of nowhere. So it's possible that, that this could happen with this class. So they're, they're quite interesting. Um, probably not. You know, depending on the draft capital, if these guys end up inside, you know, the first round, if for argument's sake, Sam Howell ends up going in the back end of the first, you know, to a good team in a good situation, I think it could be um, a bit more interesting to take him inside the first round of our um, rookie drafts. But outside of that, if you can pick these guys up, you know, in the mid to late second round, I think that's a really good, um, you know, high upside use of your second round pick, especially I know I found in our league that these second round picks get thrown around, you know, if you need to get a veteran off your team, Second round pick. Uh, if you need to, you know, up, you want to, you know, upgrade at the position and you sort of trade back a tier, second round pick. I think that's a really good way um, to put a lot of upside on your team without having to, you know, invest such heavy amounts. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Sam Howe didn't test or anything, but um, yeah, I think I think he interviewed really well. Like real, um, you'd let him date your daughter type stuff, Frank. I think he, <laughs> yeah, he said all the right things and all that. So. Maybe that increases his draft capital. I don't know. But as you said, if he finds the right spot, he, he can produce because, you know, we've seen him produce with elite talent. So, and in the NFL, he's obviously going to have that elite talent. So, um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, the next guy who I wasn't in on, Desmond Ritter, but he had himself a day, Frank. Um, came in at 6'3", 211, 45240. Gee, wheels on the man. Um and, you know, he did everything else really well, like 6'3", um, 36 vert, sorry, 127 broad jump, three cone was good, shuttle was good. You know, he, he did everything. I think really wanted to prove himself kind of day, and I think he did. So, 
uh, were you in on Desmond Ritter? And yeah, any any takes? Yeah, so Desmond Ritter, like um, like I said, put him in, you know, in the bracket with um Carson Strong. I think uh, Desmond Ritter gets probably better draft capital. But these two quarterbacks are really interesting because they're both super athletic. You know, they both got big arms. Obviously, uh, Desmond Ritter much faster, um, so a bit more elusive and stuff like that. But Carson Strong also got a massive, massive arm as well. So. It's going to be interesting to see where these two quarterbacks uh, land. So I don't think they're going to be ready to start day one whatsoever. I think they're going to be more uh, project quarterbacks. We haven't really seen that in the NFL, for, you know, like you know, in a while now. Most teams are wanting to see their, you know, heavily invested um, draft capital on the field very quickly. But these guys are going to need some time. But yeah, doing himself, uh, um, you know, an absolute service at the combine. He was um, exceptional. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't actually have anything on Carson Strong. I'm not sure if he how he went in the combine, but as you said, he's just in that same same bracket as as um Ridar and Sam Howe. So hopefully the landing spots can um, can help them out. Um, at tight end, Frank, you know, tight end's not it's not a really strong tight end class. I'll just run through. Um, Trey McBride's probably the standout at Colorado State. Um, six four, two forty six. Uh, 18 bench press, 33 vert, 117 broad jump. But the guy that did have a really good day is the UCLA tight end, Greg Dolchich. Ran a 4.7, 40-yard dash, um, 16 bench press, 34 vert. Did everything on the day. Really good three-cone shuttle. Um, any tight end takes in this class? Do you, those two, uh, are they both your favorite tight ends in this class? Yeah, so those two are Trey McBride. Um, I did read that he, you know, he weighed in actually quite light, which which for most of the other positions, you're like, oh, they're quite, you know, they're light. That's why they ran fast, things like that. But the fact that McBride came in, you know, quite light means that he, you know, can be a like, you know, a modern day tight end. So I don't think, you know, he's gonna be used as an inline blocker um an awful lot. But he also is quite compact, so I think that he can, you know, be used to block. But he's also going to be used in space quite a bit. Um, he's fast enough. I think he's got the ability, you know, to get upfield and make, um, you know, yards after the catch, which I think is going to be important if he wants to be, you know, that modern day tight end for a team. Um, and just like you said, massive, massive combine day for the other tight end as well, which was really good. Name is escaping me right now. I'm just going to be looking at it. Yeah, Greg Dulcich, he was fantastic. You know, he ran a 4.7, um, but he also showed off his impressive hands. Um, he's also just got a really high motor as well. So he was really good in the field drills. Um, and he just looked like he was, you know, an all-round, well, you know, well-rounded tight end as able to do it all, which is really good to see. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Frank, we'll just finish on, you know, the three or four names that I thought that the listeners really get on their radars because of their combine day that could really help their draft stock and really shoot up those uh, those draft boards. So first one's Sky Moore. Um, just had himself a really good day. You know, he looked, looked so good in all the catching drills. I didn't drop anything. Didn't even look like dropping anything. Uh, 4-4-1, 40-yard, 34-inch uh, vert, 125 broad jump. And he weighed in heavier and taller than everyone thought. You know, people were thinking he'd come in at 5-7 or something like that. 5-10, 195. Um, really good day. Have you seen much out of Sky Moore or is this the first time you really noticed him? Yeah, well, Sky Moore, it was supposed to, people were thinking he was going to end up being taken in the third or fourth round. But after the impressive uh, combine day, I think that he, it'll be um, surprising if he falls outside of the second round. So when you see a wide receiver um, get that kind of draft capital, I think you have to take notice. So again, landing spot becomes very important. But uh, yeah, he's just shown that he is, you know, a well-rounded receiver that he can, you know, do it all. But he's also super athletic. So, you know, a wide receiver that runs a 4-4, Take notice because, um, you know, speed kills in the NFL, especially the way the game's played these days. You have to be fast unless, you know, if you're, you know, super duper athletic, then maybe you can get away with being a little bit slower. But uh, the way the cornerbacks and every defense are built these day, days, you need speed to be able to beat NFL defenses. Yeah, um, as you said, don't think he's going to fall outside of the second round. Daniel Jeremiah actually tweeted that. Um, you know, so that's that's really good for Sky Moore's draft capital. And um yeah, I think yeah, I think uh he's definitely gonna get that draft capital and yeah, they shot him in the third round of your rookie drafts. Can't go wrong. Um another one, Frank, Christian Watson. Um played at a really small school, so I think North Dakota State, I think. Um yeah, and he's just massive. He's a monster. Six four, two oh eight, 
and still ran a 4.36. Like he's in that 99 percentile height adjusted speed score along with, you know, Megatron, DK, all those boys. So, um, yeah, I'm hearing on the Twitter that he's a first-round lock, Frank. So, uh, listeners, if you can get that number on any sports betting accounts, um, yeah, just put the house on that and thank me later. But um, Christian Watson, real real sleeper. I, I hadn't really heard of him before. Um, the senior bowl where apparently he tore it up there as well. So um, Christian Watson, real real late flyer. Uh, any Christian Watson takes? Yes, yeah, so there always seems to be these players that play at a smaller school and they end up getting, you know, getting the uh, spotlight on them, whether it be at the senior bowl, whether it be at the combine. And they come in and they test incredibly well. So this guy's six foot four, 208 pounds, and he ran a sub four four. Um, like you said, he could be a you know first round wide receiver, which is gonna which is crazy to think of considering he comes from such a small school. But uh, yeah, no, he's shown that he's just you know an incredibly talented player, and um, you know whether he's going to be able to develop his craft going forward as well to become a bit more polished as a um, route runner uh, remains to be seen. But he's definitely got all the physical tools to be um, incredibly productive at the next level. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, the last last two guys, Rashad White, he's been getting a little bit of height lately, but um, tested in six four two fourteen and ran a. 448 40 um running back so you know just i like to take shots at running back in um the like third fourth rounds of rookie drafts um so he's one he's one to look out for if he's still there and uh kelvin austin frank you've probably heard this 432 but he's still only 58 and 170 um you know he, he did he tested for everything and did everything like exceptionally like 6653 cone that's that's impressive so real agile and quick guy but, um, yeah, do you think these two will find a team and um, are you interested in these two? So, yeah, Rashad White, he uh, comes in from Arizona State to the Combine and, you know, tests really well, has a good day. So, you know, obviously uh, gives his draft stocks, um, you know, a, a punch up to the upside. Um, but we saw that at Arizona State, he wasn't just used in the uh, in the running game. Average five and a half a carry, which is really good, 15 touchdowns ended up. But the part that I want to take notice of is that he had – 43 receptions for 456 yards, you know, 10 and a half yards catch, which is really good. So that's what you want to see um, out of these college prospects. So he obviously has the size, but he's also got the, you know, the ability to catch the ball. Now we saw Antonio Gibson come into the NFL draft and end up being, you know, a third round rookie pick, but he was a player that had the ability to both catch the ball and run the ball really well. So he's a player that was, you know, um, able to, you know, be used in both phases of the game. So I think that's um, really important for your rookie drafts. Like Andrew said, we do like taking um, stabs at running backs in the later rounds. You kind of want to avoid maybe some running backs get pushed too high up rookie boards. So I think um, the likes of Isaiah Spiller and Kenneth Walker might be in a position where they're getting pushed up boards more than they should be. And some of these running backs that may not be in terribly different to NFL situations um, get pushed, you know, into value positions um, in your rookie draft. So I think Rashad White's a really interesting one. And the other two running backs that are also really interesting that you can get at a far cheaper price tag in rookie drafts is James Cook and Zamir White. So the two Georgia running backs we saw Zamir White not get used much in the passing game at Georgia but every drill that he did at the combine he proved that he was really comfortable catching the ball and and also yeah James Cook we saw him you know catch the ball at Georgia but he also you know had really you know smooth uh, footwork his hands are really good and his acceleration you know was just as good as we expected it to be um, at uh, the combine so that was you know, those two backs, you know, also, although that, you know, James Cook is that little bit older, you know, some of those older running backs don't get as, have as much shine when it comes to the NFL draft and don't have as much shine when it comes to uh, rookie drafts. But they both, you know, look really good. You know, brother of Dalvin Cook, you know, he's got, you know, uh, his brother going to be looking out for him when he gets to the NFL. Um, if he can be half as good as what uh, Dalvin's been in his career, I think he uh, is in for, you know, a good chance to be quite fantasy relevant as well. Um, if these guys, you know, you want to see running backs getting upwards of third round draft capital, uh, if they end up sliding, you know, to the fourth, fifth round of drafts, it gets a little bit um, harder for them to get that opportunity at the next level though. Yeah, I think those two Georgia backs uh, that you bring up are really good. Um, I just missed them on my, um, when I was quickly running through these. Uh, shout out Joel and Charlene for the, for the late study, but um, you know, I think, yeah, they both did really well. A real good combination for Georgia, obviously the national winning team. But um, yeah, as you said, if you can have a take a shot on them in your third round of your rookie picks, you never know, Frank, because um, running backs they get called up. You know, Khalil Herbert, 
Um, the Panthers guy, what was his name? Sorry. Yeah, exactly. They all play a role at some point. When their name's called, they might take full advantage and away they go. So um, I like those two names to bring up. And um, with that, Frank, is there anything else you want to you touch on? Yeah, just to finish yeah. off, I just wanted to talk, like we just said, um, yeah, we find in rookie drafts, these running backs do fall, especially when there isn't, you know, a, a, you know, a massive crop of running backs that are going to go really high in the draft. It's just about finding players that might get the opportunity. So, you know, we had the likes of last season, Ramondre Stevenson, Khalil Herbert, Shuba Hubbard. These guys do get opportunities, and that's all you can hope for at the running back position. Um, you know, whether they take the opportunity and, you know, going forward they become, you know, valuable fantasy players is a different story. So, you know, we found someone like Ramondre Stevenson last year. He filled in... Um, uh, for when Damien Harris was injured, he's carved himself out a role. So I think, you know, he'll get, you know, his 10-plus carries a game now. So that becomes fantasy, you know, really important for fantasy. Khalil Herbert now is the direct handcuff to David Montgomery if he were to miss time, especially with David Montgomery coming out of contract, you know, at the end of this year. He could becomes really interesting. Um, and Chuba Hubbard ended up being the, you know, the backup for Christian McCaffrey, which is always valuable. Um but you are going to be paying a, a really big price tag for these backs that are, you know, further up the draft board. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, find find guys you like. You know, if you were the guy that found, you know, Elijah Mitchell last year, you're really happy about where you are with that because, you know, he looks to be the the running back for the foreseeable future um, in San Fran. So I think these guys are worth taking a shot on. I think that the wide receiver position, you have a big crop at the beginning, you know, maybe seven to eight players that are really quite good. And you could almost have them in close to any order. There's a few at the top that I've, you know, the top three, but the rest of them, you could almost put them in any order as well. And I probably wouldn't knock you. Um, and yeah, same with those quarterbacks. I think there's, you know, a couple of quarterbacks towards the uh, back end of the second, third round of the rookie drafts that could be quite valuable. So if you do have league members, um, you know, in your league that think that this draft class is no good, they think that, um, you know, they might want to, you know, trade a second or third round pick in this year's draft for a second or third round pick next year. If you can trade one for one, let's say there's a third round pick in next year's draft and you can trade it for a third round pick in this year's draft, it's probably worth doing it because at least you can get a look at that player. You can see whether they're good. You can either move on or you've gotten a really nice piece for your team much faster rather than just having that pick sit there. I think that's not a terrible idea either if that's the uh, feeling coming out of your league. Yeah, and the really interesting thing about this class is that there's no there's no Jamar Chase, you know, there's no um, there's no clear guy at the top. There's no Trevor Lawrence that's, you know, the, the next big thing but um it's deep it's got you know four or five in each position that can play a role maybe not in tight end but in um all the other all the other positions so it's a it's a draft class where you know you can really take your pick on your guy and um go all in and it's not gonna you know cost you that much like if you wanted Jamar Chase you're gonna have to like get a top pick Frank so this year you know your guy might fall um so it's an interesting class um yeah just Thought we'd run through some names, how they went at the combine, and yeah, we'll probably touch on rookies in the next episode with Joel and Charlie and back a bit more. But um, yeah, with that, Frank, um, you got to go to basketball soon, so I should probably let you go. Um, who are you playing this week? How's our chances looking? Oh well, we've got we're playing a team called the Winnie Blues, so they are definitely going to be rough as guts. Um, see how we go. Hopefully, we we'll get the win. I can you know report back in next week. Um, you know, being a winner for once, still uh winless the entire season, but uh that's fine. We'll keep going at it. Um, but hopefully put up some points. I only had four last week, so I've got to be a little bit better. Before we do go, though, I want to quickly get your opinion. Um, imagine there's a gun to your head right now, Andrew. Um, someone comes to you and they offer you. No offense, and a 2023 first round pick for George Kittle. What do you do? Just hypothetical. Let's pretend that's hypothetical and not just me projecting onto you because that's what I've been offered by Charlene and uh, he's not on the podcast right now. Um, gee, that's tough. I think, I think I'd rather Kittle because I just don't believe in Fant, but I wouldn't blame you for going the Fant route. You're a Denver guy. You love no offense. Um, it's, yeah, it's less about fair and more about Dallas got it in my mind. Oh, because you've already got, got it there. Um, yeah. You get, the, you get the pick on top. I don't know. It's a toughie. But, um, yeah, isn't I, it? I think I, I think you can get more out of Kittle if you try. But, you know, it's up to you. It's it's pretty fair. Which, yeah. which way are you? I oh, know. I don't. I'm really stuck because I've got George Kittle's jersey as well. So that makes things a bit more difficult. Mm. Here's your boy. 
Yeah, and one and one more as well. So I've also uh, got an offer for. Uh, I get no. Let's pretend it's hypothetical, Andrew. Let's not give away all my secrets. Um, someone comes. Someone comes to you and they offer you Elijah Mitchell for Rondell Moore and a second round pick in twenty twenty three. What are you doing? Elijah Mitchell all day. Um, really? Just, yeah, I don't. I don't believe in Rondell, and I think Elijah Mitchell's here to stay because Raheem's dust. Um, Jeff Wilson, no. Um, we've seen who's the rookie? What's his name? Uh, oh, um, the, I'm completely gone blank. That's funny. No, he sucks. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, no one else has really shown himself, and you know, Kyle Shan. I really like, feel like Kyle Shanahan really trusts um trusts him now. So yeah, I'm on. I'd, I'd be taking. Hang on. So who's offering you that, Burjo? Well, he's also offered me. If it was uh, instead of Rondale, it's Ramondre and a second. Do you rate Rondale or Ramondre higher? I'm really getting you to do all my uh, work for me here. I rate Ramondre higher than Rondale. I just don't think Rondale's tiny. He's just they don't use him in anything else besides like screen passes. Yeah, but he could get a bunch of targets. Like towards the end of the year, he got, you know, I think he had like, it was like eight catches in a game. Like that could easily happen like really often. Because um, they've also got, you know, um, Christian Kirk out of contract and AJ Green out of contract. Mm. So they, he could get a, like opportunity very quickly and he could just, you know, be a PPR stud. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I would take the... Um... I'd take the Elijah side. I'm really trying to look for this running back, the 49ers roster. It's really bothering Oh, me. Trey Salmon. Trey Salmon. There oh, it is. that guy sucks. If you got him on your dynasty team, trade him for anything, like anything at all. Yeah, listeners are really screaming at us then. But uh, he's so bad, I forgot his name, Frank. Trey Salmon. Um, but, yeah, I, I would be taking – I'd be. oh, gee, that's tough. Yeah, I think I think you'd do it. He, yeah, I think he can really help your team. But you're loaded at running back, though. Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, you can never have too many. Like, if I've got all the running backs, then you guys have none left. But, I mean, I'm in on Elijah and out on Rondale, so that's that's really tough for me to, to answer that question. Right, well, thank you very much, uh, Fantasy God, Andrew Amor. Um, thanks for your coaching. <laughs> I do appreciate it. Just uh, me spitballing a bit. <laughs> But you have a lovely day, all right? Enjoy the uh, rest of your night, and uh, I'll enjoy the rest of my day, all right? Yeah, thanks for the last-minute show, Frank. Um, hopefully I did okay. And, yeah, I'll see you next week. Fantastic, Bye, as always. See you, listeners. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram at NFL Fantasy Addict. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure you don't miss a second of the action.